Go with me in the Bible to 1 Timothy chapter 1. And back there, media team, I know that we didn't have time to coordinate, but 1 Timothy chapter 1, we'll be looking at verses 12 uh, through um, 19 uh, this morning of 1 Timothy. It is my privilege to be uh, here this morning, and I count it a great joy uh, to be able to share what God places on our heart to share uh, in this time. And so thankful that you're here this morning, thankful that uh, that God gives us this uh, privilege to be in his house and um, to be gathered together as a church body. And uh, whether you're here in person or online watching, online watching the live stream, I'm thankful that you're a part of this and uh, thankful that you're uh, willing to give God time to uh, speak to your heart. And it is my utmost desire that that would be the case, that our uh, our hearts would be stirred by God's word. I've uh, frequently said uh, uh, this formula is this way. It is God's word. It is God's spirit that takes God's word and transforms us to be more like God's son uh, through uh, through that formula. And so this morning, that's what we want. We want God's spirit to take his word and apply it to every heart, every life, every situation, uh, where you're at. And, uh, you know, uh, I've come to appreciate that more and more in the Christian life, uh, the older I've gotten in the faith, uh, the fact that we are all at different points in this spiritual journey. Uh, the important thing is that you're on that journey. The important thing is that you are a part of that process. And uh, the desire that we have, Pastor Jeremy has laid out for us in 2024, um, our theme for the year, Disciple. And, uh, you know, as we are looking at this reality of disciple, um, we understand that uh, every disciple uh, starts first as a non-disciple, right? That's where we all start. We Every single one of us started there. And then you become a disciple and, and then uh, through the grace of God. And then you're on that journey, on that pathway of discipleship. And uh, there's many different uh, levels and different places along that journey. And, uh, and so this morning, I want uh, to be clear here that what we're going to share is for everybody. It's for everybody, every one of us, no matter where you're at, no matter what your path is at, no matter what point or uh, checkpoint you've checked in at along the spiritual journey or pathway that you're, uh, that we're all on, uh, that God's word has something for you and for me this morning. It does. And uh, God's spirit would like to work in us. And if we give him room, and that is what he asks of us this morning, that we would open our hearts and that our very simple prayer to God would be, God, speak to me, speak to me through your word, through your spirit, speak to me and share with me. And so as uh, I thought about this, um, my title this morning is very simple, Every Disciple. That's a simple title, Every Disciple. And uh, here we're going to uh, listen to uh, the Spirit of God who initially, uh, here in fact, in, in the book of Timothy, we find that all scripture is given uh, through God. God inspired it. It's God breathed. And though the authors, uh, we can debate whether or not in the moment they knew they were writing scripture or not. I can tell you that we know that these 66 books are not um, Aesop's fables. They are not um, uh, the Monitor News that has some things right and some that are not. It's not valleycentral.com. Uh, this is the word of God and every part of it is true because it's inspired by God and all 66 books uh, we know are the exact thing that God wanted Christians to know of the 
mind of God. And so we have that here in front of us this morning. And we can have different translations. We can have different versions. But I can tell you this, it is God's word. And it is important to your life and to your spiritual development. And as we're here this morning, you'll notice as a church that we give time uh, to worship. We give time to fellowship. We give time to give to God of the blessings that he's given us. But then we give a priority to the preaching of God's word. And I believe that is true of every biblical church that exists. They should give priority to the preaching of God's word. And so this moment, I ask of you, and God asks of you to give him some time of your day to focus on his truth and on his word. Timothy, uh, one of the books, uh, again, written by the um, uh, person that I introduced a couple weeks ago when it was my turn to preach as well, uh, Paul. In this case, he probably isn't in prison. It's probably shortly after prison, and yet he's writing, and he's leaving uh, uh, instructions. He continues to have a burden so that the truth of God's uh, of God's way is left in a way that can be followed up on. And in this case in particular, he's uh, writing and he's sharing with one of his protégés, one of his his, his helpers, and and he, he he writes to Timothy and he he tells him this is the way. Um, it was long before the Mandalorian declared this is the way. Jesus uh, said this: "I am the way, the truth, and the life." And 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 his disciples, Paul being one of his apostles said, this is the way. Uh, here is how you should carry forward in your life. And so um, this is something that we uh, see here in these first few verses. Uh, Paul is exhorting. He's exhorting something very important. He's exhorting the reality of that character matters in all things. Man, this has been a, a, a journey for even myself in, in my Christian development. Character matters. And I, I remember mom and dad many times uh, having to deal with me. Uh, I, I, uh, I was a lying boy as a young boy. I like to uh, to come up with with tales and lies. And so um, mom and dad frequently had to give me correction. And when I mean correction, it means the right, right kind of correction, right? Uh, they would uh, let me know the right kind of correction. There was no time out in my time. Uh, it was uh, a time to feel a burn. And uh, he, they would let me know, character matters. Uh, you can't do that. You can't lie. Uh, man, I, I wish some politicians would have had some of that. You know, in today's world, uh, man, it's hard to find some people that uh, live by that truth. But character matters. And Timothy is speaking about the importance of character. More than talent, more than possessions, Paul is saying, hey, when it comes to spiritual leadership, when it comes to disciples in general, character matters. It's important for you to develop that. And he's expressing to uh, his protege, Timothy, and his, uh, his, uh, his son in the faith, and he's trying to develop inside of him uh, some things that are important. And yet, I feel like what, what I find, and, and why I titled my message Every Disciple is because I find that it is something that every disciple can live by. It's a truth that every disciple can see and can hear and so and can apply. And so this morning, he starts out uh, with a greeting. He starts out in chapter one speaking about um, the dangers of, of falseness falseness and other teaching that isn't the way of God, that isn't the way of Jesus Christ. And, and then he comes 
And he wants to share a little bit of insight to Timothy and to us. And through, through God's uh, miracle work of inspiration, he leaves for us this truth. And this morning here on this cold February morning of 2024, I want to tell you that his truth that he shared with Timothy 2,000 years ago is just as alive and just as important and just as applicable to your life and to my life here in Palmview, Texas, here on this very cold morning as it was in the original uh, application. Of, of the day and age of Paul as he writes it here probably in Macedonia in about 60, 64 AD. And so here he writes and as he shares we're going to pick up in the letter in verse number 12 and we're going to pick up as Paul shares some things here and we'll read through verse 19 ask for God's direction and jump into what God leads us to. I think I'm reading out of the New Living Translation as I frequently do so just so you know the New Living if you have a different version don't, don't worry don't get lost I'm reading 1 Timothy 1 verses 12 through 19. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength to do his work. He considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ. In my insolence, I persecuted his people, but God <clears throat> had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with the faith and love that come from Christ Jesus. This is tr a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with me, even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. All honor and glory to God forever and ever. He is the eternal king, the unseen one who never dies. He alone is God. Amen. Timothy, my son, here are my instructions for you. Based on the prophetic words spoken about you earlier, may they help you fight well in the Lord's battles. Cling to your faith in Christ and keep your conscience clear. For some people have deliberately violated their consciences. As a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. Let's pray and ask for God's help. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word, for your truth. Father, unworthy of my, of, in and of my own merits am I to stand behind this pulpit. Were it not for that grace which we read about even in this passage this morning. Thank you for your love, for your unconditional love and grace in our lives. Pray, Father, that you would lead us, that you would guide us, give us wisdom and clarity, and may your spirit speak through us so that your word can do the work in every heart, including my own. Pray all this in Jesus' name, amen, and every man. Every disciple, as we look at this passage, like I said, I do feel like Paul initially is directing his words to this specific disciple, his specific protege. He calls him his son, his son in the faith, Timothy. But the reality is that, that the truth and the principles are applicable to every single one of us, every single one within the uh, sound of my voice and within the reach of the word of God here that is being communicated. And Paul says every disciple, number one, he says every disciple has a past. 
Every disciple has a past. What, uh, what does that talk about? Well, Paul begins to share with Timothy and he reminds him of his past. You know, the enemy sometimes likes to use our past and shame us for our past. And, and the reality is, is that Paul, if you go through his life and if you study his letters, he never shied away from the reality that he had a past. How many of you here, uh, would you raise your hand if you said, um, I was saved later in, in life. So I would say later in life is like 15, 16 years or older. Let me see your hands. You were saved later in life. Raise your hand. Raise saved later in life, right? All right, several, all right, 15 or older, all right? So many of you, um, you were saved younger in life, younger than 16. Raise your hands, all right? Good, younger than 16, all right? So many of you saved younger, grew up in the faith. Here, Paul, he would not fit that category. He would fit the category older in faith, older in life. You see, he was somebody, if you, knew his, if you know his life, he was somebody that though he was religious, uh, he was not a believer in Jesus Christ. He was not a follower of the way. No, he was actually somebody who was a persecutor of the way. He was somebody who would go into a home and he would make people recant their faith. And if they didn't, they would go outside and they would kill them. And he was party to that. In fact, he says, I voted in favor of their death. You see, we find here that Paul, he had a past. And you know what the reality is, is that every disciple has a past. You say, okay, Brother John, about half the congregation raised their hand that they were saved before 16. Well, no matter when you were saved, you have a past. Because the reality is, is that until Jesus Christ came into our lives, we were on a roadway, on a pathway, destined, separated from God because of our sin. We were on our way to hell and destruction. And every single one of us was born in the nature of sin. We have a past. And the reality is that Paul here, his testimony was based on the reality that every disciple has a past. And there's a couple things I want us to focus on. Number one, there you have a past that is to be, re be remembered. He says there, and he doesn't shy away in verse number 13. He says, even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ. He, he see, he wasn't, he wasn't afraid to remember where God rescued him from. He wasn't afraid uh, to remember and to take time to meditate on as a disciple, I had a past. He had to remember it. You see, he says there, I was the worst of sinners. He says there, Christ Jesus came into the world to save the worst of sinners. In verse number 15, he speaks about that. But in verse number 13, he says, I used to blaspheme the name of Christ. In my insolence, I persecuted his people, but God had mercy on me. He says, how generous and gracious um, our Lord was. He filled me with faith and love that came from Christ Jesus. He didn't shy away from the fact that he was the worst of sinners. He didn't shy away from his past. He said, this is a past to be remembered. But you see, he goes on and there is a counterbalance to this in Philippians chapter three and verse number 13. If you want to turn there with me real quick, uh, Philippians chapter three and verse number 13. If you're a, a, a Christian in the faith for sometimes, maybe you don't even know this verse from memory. Philippians three thirteen says uh, uh, this, um, 
excuse me, uh, Philippians 3, uh, uh, yeah, 13. Uh, brothers and sisters, I, I have not achieved it uh, because, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. You see, the reality is that the same author of Timothy is the same author of Philippians. And he says, there's a part of my past in which I want to testify to the reality of God's transformational power in my life. You see, there was a day when I blasphemed Christ. Uh, there was a day when I persecuted Christ. There was a day when I ignored Christ. And I don't know about you. I, I know about me. But uh, you can name some things in your past that you need to remember of where Christ rescued us from. Amen? It was a part of our past in which we need to remember the depths of our sin and our despair. There's a part of our past that we need to remember, even as a 10-year-old child, even as a 12-year-old child, I was one breath away from being separated from God for all eternity and suffering in hell for the consequences of my sin in an eternal banishment from the presence of God. Oh, that is my past. I must not forget that part of my past. But then there's a part to be forgotten. There's a part in which uh, that is where the enemy loves to, to be able to bring in, well, you know what? You're never going to break that habit. Well, you know what? That vice, it's got a hold of your life. There's nothing to be done there. It's just the way it is. And I can tell you, dear friend, that the enemy loves to choose and to bring our past to mind, especially when you're on that beginning journey of the spiritual walk. And he begins to say to you, that weight of that past is upon you and it's weighing you down. And, and you know, you already, you, you didn't, you didn't used to go to church on Sunday. Man, you, you're never going to get rid of the way you talk. You're never going to get rid of that habit. Uh, you, you, that's just not going to be able to overcome. This is where in Philippians, Paul is saying, hey, there's a part to be done away with, to be forgotten. But every disciple has a past. And this morning, dear friend, as we contemplate the path forward, as we contemplate our journey along that way, uh, um, we, we need to remember that every disciple has a past. There's parts of it to be remembered. There's parts of it to look at and to say, thank God for his grace. Verse number 13 says, but God had mercy on me. How many say amen to that? I was a 12-year-old pastor's son. I had gone to Christian school, gone to camps. I'd gone to vacation Bible school. But even right then and there, as a 12-year-old boy, I was lost in my sin. Sin had gotten a hold of me deep inside of me. And I needed the grace of God. Didn't look like it on the outside. I could have fooled anybody as a 12-year-old boy. But I didn't fool God, and God knew it, and I knew it. Thankful for God's grace on my life. Thankful for God's mercy on my life. Some of you maybe can identify a little bit more with Paul. You can say, oh, mine wasn't just on the inside. It was very revealed on the outside. Well, praise God, because Paul says that because of that, God used it in his life. And we'll get into that here in a little bit more. But number one, we see that every disciple has a past, a past to be remembered, to be remembered and applied towards God's grace, to be remembered and applied towards God's entrusting. He says that here we find that God entrusted him with a message because of that past. You see, Paul was going to be able to speak to people in a different way of life than maybe even Timothy, whose grandmother, whose mom was Christians, who had grown up in the faith, who 
who from a young child had followed the way of Christ. And you see, uh, Paul was here saying, you know what, Timothy, I know my past is what it is, but you know what? God entrusted that past to me for me to use it as a testimony of the work of his grace and his power in my life. Can I encourage you, some of you Christians that raised your hand in that first batch, can I encourage you to make sure that you don't uh, allow the devil to shame that past such that you don't share that with somebody as you're sharing what Christ did in your life? Can you talk to somebody about how you couldn't leave uh, that alcoholism until Christ did something in your life? Can you, can you say to somebody and share with somebody the testimony that every other word out of your mouth was a curse word until Jesus came and did a work of grace in your life? You say, Pastor John, but it's because this week I said a few words. Yes, that's, that is the battle of the spiritual battle. But I can tell you that you can say to me this morning, like Paul could say, through the work of God's grace, he's done a great work in my life. My soul has been cleansed. My heart has been changed. I had, I think about it now. You see, the Bible speaks about this often that one of the uh, most uh, 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 clear indications of a Christian is that when you do sin, there's a pricking of your heart of the Spirit of God. If that doesn't exist inside of you, then definitely question something. But every single one of us sin, every single one of us sin every day, every single one of us sin every week, every single one of us sin every month. Uh, that is not nothing new. But what has changed is that the Spirit of God lets us know we're wrong and we need to be making it right. God God uses that past in our discipleship development. Every disciple has a past. Every disciple has a present message. See, Paul used that past. He used with the work of God's grace and God's entrusting in his life to not only have a past, but he has a present message. It says in verse number 13, even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ in my insolence, I persecuted his people, but God had mercy on me. He had mercy. Why? Because God's mercy presents new opportunities, a new day, a new life. And can I encourage you, dear Christian, this morning, as we're here in the second month of 2024, can I encourage you to develop that new life that Christ has given you? He did not die on that cross to purchase fire insurance in your life so that the day that you die, you can say, well, at least I have the card that says I go, I get into heaven. No, he died on that cross to change your life. He died on that cross to make you a new creation. Oh, behold, all things are made new, he says in another passage. Your friend this morning, the devil loves to uh, think, uh, to make us think that our lives will just continue the same and all that happened is, well, uh, yeah, that happened in that moment. Nothing else is different. No, no. Paul says he did mercy on me and then he entrusted me with something. There was a present message based on Christ's mercy. His present message, he, he, I can't, he can't say it more clearly. He can't say it more clearly than he does in verse 15. Look with me in verse 15. Let's look at that closely. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Verse 15 of 1 Timothy 1 says, Christ Jesus came to the world to save sinners. You know, sometimes as Christians, we get caught up in a lot of battles. Politics which is fine. I like politics. I'm in the world of politics. Church situations. Church is important. 
Church governance is important. Church procedures are important. But may we not forget the main reason we're here, the main reason we exist, the main reason and the main mission that God has given us post-salvation. To tell the world that Jesus Christ came to save sinners. Say, Brother John, I work at Target for the twelve fifty an hour that they give me. I work at whatever. No, no. You work there so that you can tell sinners that Jesus Christ came to save sinners. I'm here at this job. I have these neighbors. You know why God placed you in that neighborhood? Because he knew that that neighborhood needed a light. He knew that that extended family needed somebody to share with them the power of God's mercy and God's grace. And he chose you and he saved you and he gave you a present message to give. Everybody should wear a white shirt and a tie. No, that's not the present message he gave you. The present message he gave you was that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. That's what he did. And so this morning, dear friend, the enemy has made an absolute mastery of making Christians about so many things. But Brother John, what about these cultural phenomenons that are going, does he really get us or does he not get us? Should we wash this person's feet or not wash? Would Jesus wash it? Listen, Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That's what he came for. And this morning, I want to encourage you. Every disciple has a past. Every disciple has a present message. Are you using your opportunity? Are you accomplishing and fulfilling the purpose for what God, why God saved you from your past? God brought us to a place of receiving mercy and grace. God brought us to a place of receiving the truth that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Not only that, Paul reminds us as he talks about his present message, he does not detach from his past. He says he came into the world to save sinners and I am the worst of them all. We do not tell sinners how bad they are because we are that much better. We tell the world how bad they are because they need Christ who is so much better. That's why we don't point them to Bethany Baptist Church. We don't point them to Pastor Jeremy, Pastor John, or Pastor Noah because we're all sinners. We point them to the cross and to Jesus Christ who came into the world to save sinners. And dear friend, this morning, we have a present message to give. Paul used himself as the prime example of somebody who was absolutely lost. The worst of the worst. I've heard it frequently say it'd be the equivalent of bin Laden crawling out of a cave somewhere in Pakistan or Afghanistan. And saying, I came out of here, God spoke to me, Jesus loves the world and he he loves sinners. That's what Paul was. He was the executioner of the Christians. 
He was the persecutor of the Christians. He was the terrorist of the Christians. And God did a work in him and changed him and did a powerful work of mercy and grace and salvation and then used his life with a present message. You know what's so powerful this morning? That 2,000 years later, that message is still the same. It's the same Jesus that was on the cross. In that day, it was 30, day, 30 years before. In our day, it's 2,000 years before, but it's just as powerful today as it was back then. It's just as true today as it was back then. Oh, I can tell you, dear friend, we as disciples, every disciple has a past. Every disciple has a present message. Can I tell you this? Every disciple has a purpose. Look at what it says there. It says in verse number 17, all honor and glory to God forever and ever. He is the eternal king for what God has done, for giving us this message, for entrusting us with this truth. Now he says to Timothy, and here I want you to, if you can, in your imagination, scratch out the word Timothy, and I want you to write your name there as I have written my name there. Because Paul, though he is writing specifically to Timothy, the Spirit of God is speaking to every believer, believer on the face of the earth. And so therefore, your name fits there, and so does mine. And so therefore, I would say, John, my son, here are my instructions for you, for you based on the prophetic words spoken about you earlier. May they help you fight well in the Lord's battles. Every, per, every disciple has a purpose. Number one, to fight well the daily battle. Fight well the daily battle. Can I tell you this, dear Christian friend? Our battles are moment by moment, day by day. And we all fight them the same every day. I, I come from a background sometimes that certain spiritual leaders were placed on a pedestal and were thought to be like, we have super Christians, we have medium Christians, and we have, ah, they're just Christians. No. Paul made it clear to Timothy, we are all fighting the battle. We all put on our pants one leg at a time. The ground is level at the foot of the cross, they say. And, and Paul here says, you've been given a purpose. I've been given a purpose. Paul says, but my purpose is my purpose, and your purpose is your purpose, and we should all be in the fight of the daily battle. What are we fighting? Well, fighting sin, our own sin. We're, we're fighting our own flesh. We're fighting the common enemy. His name is Satan. He goes around as the accuser of the saints, as the deceiver, as the tempter. And he tempts him and he tempts her and he tempts her and he tempts him. And, and he's seeking to destroy what he can. In the Christian, can he destroy his salvation? Yes or no? He cannot. The Bible tells us we are secure. But he can destroy his testimony. He can, he can destroy his joy. And so as Christians, we aren't fighting to keep our salvation. Oh, if I can just do enough things right, then maybe I, the, the, the lever will be enough that when I get to heaven, I'm good enough. No, no, that, that's a false doctrine. That's a false teaching. You and I will never tilt the scales enough to be good enough. That's why every time we mess up, we don't say, I'm going to do better. We say, Christ, thank you for your grace. Your mercy on my life. 
I don't deserve it. Look at where I would be if it was just up to my own natural man. Look at what I would do. But God's work of mercy, Paul says, I am chief among sinners. He doesn't say I was chief among sinners. He says, I am chief among sinners. Oh, may we understand. We have a past. Everybody does. Every disciple does. Oh, may we understand we have a message, a present message, a message to communicate of God's mercy and God's grace. And may we understand Bethany Baptist Church this morning, all 80 of us that are in here in this auditorium and everybody within the sound of my voice, may we understand that we have a purpose to fight well the daily battle as Paul was doing himself. In verse number 12, he says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me the strength to do his work. Anybody know what Paul did partially to be able to have food on his table? Anybody know? He, he made tents. He was a builder. He was a constructor. Some people don't know that. I think Paul was just preaching every day, everywhere. He did, but he, he was also, he needed money. As we say here in the valley. He made tents. He worked, did construction. But what he did with that money is that he went and he used it for God's kingdom building. And he went and he turned it around and he used it to be able to fortify what God had given us, given him as a purpose, which was to fight well the battles. God had entrusted him to do the work of God. And he said, yes, I might have to go here and I show up to Target and I show up to the school district and I show up to the county or I show up here or I show up there and there I get my daily bread and there I provide for my family. But my purpose is to fight well the cause of Christ to live and to cling to my faith. He says there, oh, verse uh, n- number 18 goes on to say, may they help you to fight well in the Lord's battles. Verse 19, cling to your faith in Christ. Why? Why that word cling? Because I'm going to tell you, dear friend, it's along the battle. It's along the river raging of life that there are times that the current of this world takes us. But praise be to God that we don't just cling to Jesus. Jesus cling to us. And if it was meant up to our own efforts and our own strength, we would never make it. But praise be to God that Jesus never lets us go. And so Paul says, cling to your faith. Your faith in who? Your faith in what? Your faith in Christ. Oh, because why? Because if your faith is in Bethany Baptist Church, you're going to be let down. If your faith is in Pastor John, you're going to be let down. But if your faith is in Jesus Christ, he will never let you down. He will clean. He will help you. He will fortify you to cling to your faith. So this morning, when we think about what Paul is sharing, he's saying every disciple has a past. Embrace it. Show the world that God's power and grace has transformed you. Forget it. Don't let it be something to weigh you down. Every disciple has a past. Every disciple has a present message. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners present message. It was true in 64 AD. It's true in 2024 AD. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And then every disciple has a purpose. I've heard it said many times, and I'm going to say it again this morning because it just is true. It's true. In the kingdom of God, there is a void of which God has equipped you to fill. God has given you talents, abilities, background, 
Some of you are great with your money. Praise God. Use it for God. Some of you are wonderful musicians. Praise God. Use it for God. You've been given great talents. Some of you are people people. You're talkers. You're, you're communicators. Praise God. He's giving you a purpose. In God's kingdom, there is no Christian who does not have a purpose. Pastor John, it's because I just, I don't see it. I, I don't know what. Get in the fight. That's why he starts with Timothy and says, get in the fight. Your, your, your purpose will develop along when you're in the fight. You know why there's a lot of bench-warming Christians? Because they're not in the fight. They close their eyes to the battle that's raging in front of them. They close their eyes to the great need. And you see, you pull up to that gas station and you see that couple fighting and you see and you know how much despair and hopelessness there is. You go to work and you talk to that coworker and you know how much that vice is killing him and is driving him to an early grave. And that early grave is going to send him to a hell that's going to separate him from God for all eternity. And he's giving you the ability to share with him something so powerful because it changed your life. It might change his and he has given you a purpose in which to fulfill fight well the daily battle cling to your faith it's a daily discipline do you give god five minutes a day can, can you open this book and give him 10 minutes and say god i want to daily discipline my life with your truth Say, Pastor John, it's because I barely finished high school. Uh, Pastor John, I know. my grandmother, she, bless her heart, grew up in Nicaragua, never learned to read. Very godly woman. She'd have her children read to her the word of God. She never learned to read, never learned to write. It, education is not a limitation in the Christian walk. It's desire. It's giving room to the spirit of God to work in your life. Every believer, every disciple has a purpose. Fight well, cling to your faith, the daily discipline. And then verse number 19 goes on to say, keep your conscience clear. This is a daily practice. You see, there's a daily battle, there's a daily discipline, and then there's a daily practice. And this is, this, this is where, as they say, the rubber meets the road. Because this is where theory becomes reality. This is that moment of testing. Thou shalt not steal. Well, the government owes me more taxes than that, so I'm just going to put this in. Thou shalt not steal. I wish the government knew that. No, um, thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt not lie. See, it's, it's, it's in the daily, pra the daily discipline is in knowing that, right? Do you know the Ten Commandments? Do you know God's word? If not, there's a daily discipline. The daily battle is, do you care about God's word? Oh, yeah, I care about it. Okay, now you got to introduce the daily discipline. And then the daily discipline leads to the daily practice. He says there, keep your conscience clear. What is that? That is today, you're going to leave church at 10.30 from the parking lot. And between 10.30 today and next Sunday when you step on this campus again at 9 o'clock, 
you're going to commit some sins. And the question is, is do you confess those sins? Do you fight against them? Do you equip yourselves to resist those sins the next time that temptation comes across you? Or do you, do you just go on? Because to fulfill the disciple that every, the purpose that every disciple has, you must fight well, you must cling to your faith, you must keep your conscience clear. That does not mean that you, you're not going to sin. That's not what it means. It means that you're going to walk with God and that when those things come into your life, when they're brought up to you, hey, brother, you know what? I, I saw you over there. You were doing this. And hey, I, I don't think that that's wise. When it's, when it's told to you, 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 you confess it and forsake it. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. First John talks about that. You and I have a purpose to fulfill. As disciples, we must be in the daily battle. We must establish the daily disciplines. We must be able to establish the daily practices. Walk with him. Get things right with him. Even this morning, if that's not where you're at. If it's not a clean slate between you and God, and God's brought to your mind, what about this? What about that? Okay. The devil brings it to your mind to say, see, why do you come, you hypocrite? If messing up makes you a hypocrite, we are all hypocrites. Because every single one of us mess up. No, what you need is just to get things right with God. That's what you need. To clear your conscience with God, confessing, making steps to forsake. Making steps to say, hey, I'm, I'm not going to do that. It's because if I go with those friends, I know where it's going to lead. I know what it's going to happen. Here it goes. So you know what? Next week, I'm not going to do A. I'm going to do B to make steps to get away from there. We have a purpose, a fight to take to the enemy. Dear friend, can you do it? Let's pray. Father, I pray, Lord, that your spirit would guide us this morning, Lord. I pray, Lord, that as we examine ourselves, Lord, from the pulpit to the last seat, may we examine ourselves and be honest with you and with ourselves. Father, you know every disciple has a past. Every disciple has a present message to give. Father, we thank you because you came into the world to save sinners. Every disciple has a purpose. Father, I pray that this morning, as we examine the truth of your word, we apply it to our hearts. I pray, Lord, that we would be humble enough, broken enough, real enough to be honest with you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Perhaps this morning I'd like to just open the altar just a few seconds. I know we're running a little bit tight on time, but just a few moments. If you just want to come to this altar and you and God do some business, Maybe you just want to be like Paul and say, God, thank you for your great power, your mercy as you manifested in my life. As I look back on what you did in rescuing me, thank you, Father, for that. And maybe that's what you're coming up here to do. But maybe this morning you're also coming up here because you say, Pastor John, maybe there's some things about my purpose right now that I'm not fulfilling. Oh, there's, there's a battle that I'm not entering into. I'm ignoring the reality of who I am. Maybe there's some disciplines in my life that I've not introduced. And the reality is, is that I've ignored God for too long. As we stand to our feet this morning, I invite you to stand. And as you stand,
stand. If you would like to come and, and, and just talk with God, I invite you to do that. It's not anything that you can't do in your, in your seat, and I understand that. And if you want to do it in your seat, I, I invite you to do that as well. But there's something about God's people coming to this old-fashioned altar and saying, God, I'm here, and I'm real with you, and you've spoken to me this morning, and I just want to be able to talk with you and to proclaim to you, thank you for the grace. Maybe it's a prayer of thanksgiving. Maybe it's a prayer of confession saying, God, you know, there's some things that I just got to get right. I've not been sharing the present message that you've given me to give. Maybe my coworkers don't even know. I haven't told them. Maybe my neighbors, maybe my friends don't even know. They haven't heard. They're one breath away from hell and they don't even know that the present message that I have to tell them is that Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Well, as we're praying as we're singing. I invite you to come and to pray if that's so how you're led. If not, then right where you're at, then go ahead and do that right where you're at. Let's sing together this wonderful song as the screens pop up and the first stanza's already popped up there. First stanza's already up. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And may we sing together this reality and this truth. And uh, you can do it as a prayer. With your eyes closed, you can do it as a song with your eyes open. But let's worship together singing, My Hope is Built.